Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. Hope you're having a great day. I have to start with a special shout-out to my friend, Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, how are you? I know that you are on top of the world as far as continuing to be a leader for people with disabilities. And also throughout the world to all of our listeners, 17 countries, we have listeners. And I just can't thank you enough. You know, I think about you frequently. And, you you know, I think about what you're going through with COVID uh, and unbelievably, our second largest <clears throat> listening audience after the United States is China. How much do I appreciate what you're doing? And I want you to know, we think about you, we're with you. A special, special shout out to my two friends, Richard Roberts and Gang Yang Cho, who are with the State Department. Uh, friends of mine, one... Richard in Okinawa, and Gang Young in South Korea in Seoul. And guess what? They are big disability advocates. Stay tuned. Stay tuned because we're going to have them on a show. And to those of you in other countries, we're going to make sure that show gets out to all of you. Um, so before we go any further, um and I would be remiss, wait a minute, if I don't thank Highmark Peoples, Employment Options, and Wells Fargo for all being sponsors. Thank you. Because if it weren't for you, I wouldn't get to do what I'm doing right now. Uh, but before we start, I have to say uh, my heart is with uh, the, the Floyd family, what they went through. Um, you know, terrible. Just horrific. Uh, so, at Voice America, our thoughts and our prayers are with you. And to all of the protesters who are being civil protesters, you know what? That's what America is all about. That's what Martin Luther King Jr. was all about. Um, however, to those of you looting and vandalizing, just as the brother of our hero that was slain said, you're not helping. You're not helping. You know, Reverend Al Sharpton said, when you do this, you are taking away from the whole point, from all of those hundreds and hundreds of uh, civil protesters. So uh, all of you, I know we're in a really scary time in this country, but we are Americans. And we are together going to come out of this. So I just wanted to extend my sympathies and my, oh, one other thing. You know, we still do have this coronavirus. So, you know, I just want to remind you when you're all side by side, marching side by side, not wearing masks, this coronavirus is still here. And, you know, I hope everyone is really taking this seriously and really staying safe. Um, So I'm excited about our show today for different reasons. But one, 
is I had the great honor of speaking at the conference. Uh, before this pandemic, I spoke at the uh, Phenom conference, and I was so impressed with this company. How, first of all, they brought me in to speak, uh, and there were like 1,000 people there. And, you know, to be a keynote speaker and be a woman living with epilepsy, and specifically talking about employing people with disabilities and accessibility, how great is this company th- that they would do this? And their commitment to accessibility is phenomenal. And I'm very sorry that Mahi, the CEO, could not be with us today. He would, but something came up uh, personal that he just could not not be there for. But he will be on again later this year. But we still have two champions from Phenom, and that would be Cliff Jerkowitz, and he is the vice president of strategy and the product manager Parker Bettis, specializing in accessibility at Phenom. Both of you, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Joyce. So here, um, we'll start with you there, Cliff. How about if you start by telling our listeners around the world about Phenom? You know, what is Phenom? What are your products and services? What do you do at Phenom? Yeah, and I'd like to start by uh, mirroring what you started the show off today with, um, that, that we at Phenom, every single individual, um, stands with our brothers and sisters out there in nonviolent protest, um, you know, standing up for the rights of those that uh, are underserved, uh, and we need to continue that in a nonviolent and caring and loving way. Um, so I appreciate uh, everything that's happening today because change is one of the things that may be difficult, but it's necessary for us to grow, and, and, and hopefully we're going to grow from this. But at Phenom, uh, we are an HR technology company, uh, and our purpose is to help a billion people find the right job. Um, one of the ways that we do this is we have an AI-based um, SaaS platform that we're able to personalize and automate um, experiences throughout the talent acquisition lifecycle, especially for candidates recruiters, employees, and, and managers and leaders. And, and those experiences um, encompass our platform from the candidate experience uh, where we offer career sites and university recruitings, and uh, we are the largest chatbot provider in this space, and our chatbot is an amazing piece of technology. Um, so in the recruiter experience where we have, uh, we have our CRM, um, and we can do things like uh, campaigning and SMS technologies as well as providing those artificial intelligence and machine learning insights. Um, the employee experience that we have um, goes uh, well beyond just finding that next job within, uh, within an organization. It's really offering the opportunity uh, to build a network inside of an organization um, and a career path and, and using our gig technology to help uh, upskill and reskill um, yourself or, or your team. And the last piece is just our management experience, and that's where um, you know, we, we provide a very, very deep uh, level of analytics on all of those experiences, uh, but what's probably more important is um, the, the real-time intelligence that, that we have, and that's sort of unique to the industry, 
um, uh, and and the ability to uh, forecast and and do succession planning, um, you know, for your teams, um, you know, throughout the organization. So, you know, at the end of the day, that goal of helping a billion people find uh, find the right job, you know, find meaningful work is the thing that drives us every day. You know what? Could you just talk about that one minute? Because that is one of the first things that I saw when I was uh, earlier that day at your event, that goal of yours. Uh, Well, Ashley, we're going to talk about it later. But just one thing I wanted to ask about it. How long has that been a goal? Well, when we, we, Phenom actually started as a, as a, another company, Mahi and Hari, the, the brother owners of our company, um, you know, started a smaller company called iMomentus, um, eight, nine years ago. And, um, it focused mostly on the mobile, uh, candidate job search. So doing mobile career sites and mobile job search for, for, uh, large companies. And what they recognized almost immediately was, you know, why can't that experience be more like the up-and-coming consumer experiences that we see with Amazon and Netflix and Spotify, where those experiences are, are highly hyper-personalized and really drive uh, folks to connecting with the information that they're looking for. Why couldn't we do that for, uh, for jobs? So, what what wound up happening is we you know we started to expand our vision uh, I should say Mahi started to expand his vision of what he wanted the company to be and the products that would drive those experiences and 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 when he and Hari uh, sort of settled on what that vision was going to look like they decided to change the name of the company uh, and um, and we became Phenom uh, at that point and with that you know with that larger platform focus. Um, we really wanted to aggregate the vision of the company into a single message. And, and we are going to talk about this a little bit later, but, but that help a billion people find the right job is the purpose. It's, it's literally Mahi, Mahi's purpose in life. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But, but he was able to take what he envisioned um, for himself and built a company around that and has built uh, you know, uh, hundreds of people that work here at Phenom um, to believe in that vision, and it's what drives us every day. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a couple minutes. Uh, but let's start. Parker, I want to say Parker Bettis. I know your family. I know Carr. But it's Parker that recruited me to speak at the uh, at Phenom's conference and it was because it was a Parker Bettis that I got back in touch with him. So Parker, it's so nice to have you with us today. So let's start with you first and then with Cliff. Tell our uh, listeners what you do and also how did it come to be that you're working at Phenom? Yeah, thanks Joyce for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And I must say, you rocked uh, your your keynote session there at uh, at I am Phenom. That was just a really powerful session. We have recording. I, I think we're sharing it out. I don't, I don't know if you've gone back and looked at it, but that was a really powerful session. So thank you for being there, and, and thank you for being so passionate about about that uh, you know that topic. It was my honor to be there. You're welcome. Yep. Go ahead. 
So um, a, a little about me. Uh, I have a background in, in computer science. Um, several years ago, back in 2015, I actually um, started working for a company called AudioEye, and you're familiar with AudioEye. They do, and, and they provide digital accessibility uh, software solutions. So I was working for um, AudioEye for nearly, uh, nearly five years out of Tucson, Arizona. Um, well, uh, you know, life sort of had a, a, a plan in mind for me and, and uh, required me to move out to the Philadelphia area. So I made that move. Um, I found Phenom, uh, a fantastic company, uh, and I, I got on board their Phenom. So very quickly after joining the Phenom team, uh, I think Mahi and maybe some other leadership recognized the previous experience that I had um, and um, sort of uh, asked me to direct a lot of the accessibility initiatives that, were, that, that, that needed to happen here at the company, here at Phenom. So that's sort of the charge that I've taken on. Little did I know that uh, Phenom had an accessibility champion even before I was there, and, and that's how I sort of crossed paths with, uh, with Cliff. Uh, long before I joined Phenom, Cliff was championing accessibility at the company and sort of fighting for, for uh, you know, inclusion and, and things like that. So that's, that's a little about me. I just want to mention what a great company AudioEye is. <clears throat> so if you're listening, check them out at AudioEye.com. But um, Parker, that is really a great story. How about you, Cliff? How did, how did you, uh, what do you do and how did you come to go to uh, Phenom? Yeah, what, what I do is it, it sometimes can be a little, little tough to explain, but, um, you know, this the VP of, of strategy at, at Phenom is a very interesting role. It's actually my second role, and I'll get to what I do in, in a moment. Um, hopefully my background will kind of uh, give you an idea of why I'm in this role uh, now. But I was actually vice president of client services when I came to Phenom, and it's there um, where I really started to recognize um, you know, what Phenom was doing as a company at a platform level and, and, and the experiences that we're trying to create. And that piece that, you know, um, that I started to champion around accessibility was really driven a lot from my personal experience. Um, I, have, I have a son who had cancer uh, when he was younger, and it left him cognitively um, disabled. And, uh, you know, something like even literally like writing out or typing even on a computer um, can be very, very difficult for him. And um, as we were talking about how do we make these experiences better, you know, this is going back about four years when I started with the company, I, I said, hey, what about, you know, the differently enabled audiences out there? We talk about a, finding a billion people the right job. You know, no one is ever saying, you know, finding um, uh, a billion people the right job or the right billion people the right job. Um, you know, Mahi and Hari were like, no, everyone deserves meaningful work. And, and that would include those that are differently enabled. And I said, aha, let's talk about um, accessibility on our platform. And that's when we really started to seriously look at how we could change um, the, the technology space in this HR domain um, to offer tools and process and services around accessibility and making sure that those things are built into what we do. It's, it doesn't cost extra. Um, it's just part of our mission. Um, you know, and part of my thinking, you know, in, in being in this strategic role, um, you know, I'm a, a lifelong musician. I'm a pilot. I owned my own software company for 
um, quite a while. I was creative director for a big ad agency in Philadelphia for a number of years. So this really diverse background. Um, and then, you know, kind of landing me into this strategic role where I lead conversations with our our prospective clients and our clients and anyone who will listen to what we're saying um, around what it is that we do and why it's important um, and to sort of champion that mission of, of getting uh, a billion people the right job. Um, even so much so is, is creating, uh, you know, this, this year during COVID, we launched helpabillion.com. Uh, and I would encourage everyone to go to helpabillion.com. Um, it's a site where we are working with, uh, companies all over the world, and not just our clients. It's any company that wants to participate um, in this uh, in this space uh, on this on this website um, can offer jobs that that they need work right now, and they need to connect with people right now. So it is a great way to communicate what we're doing and help people who need to find work right now. And it's there; those are the types of things. Um, that, that we do here. And those are the types of things that I specifically talk about in my role every day, helping find um, that connection between human interaction and technology and how does technology support but not replace that interaction. So we're the, the human being and, and what we do and our purpose and, and our client's purpose and, and the folks that we haven't even met yet, um, like for yourself coming to our conference and talking, how do we, um, as a company, you know, connect those missions together um, for the greater good. And, and so that's what I do in this role. And I'm so lucky to be in this role uh, because it gives me the rare opportunity to use all of the skills I have and, and be supported by uh, Mahi and Hari and the rest of our company um, in, in, in delivering upon our mission. Wow, that is Awesome. Yeah, you have quite the job. You have quite a job there, I have to say. I do want to tell you something. When you were talking about the conference, I don't know if you remember this, but I was challenging people to hire people with disabilities. And not long after I was back here in Pittsburgh, I received a call from a company that I, I was not familiar with, smaller, smaller here, but a big presence in Philadelphia. And that person in human resources was at your conference and called to tell me how much they loved hearing me speak and that they want to hire people with disabilities. I've been wanting to tell you that. So you see, that, that I did have it. Is, yeah, that is the, the, that just put a smile on my face. Um, and I'm sure it did for Parker as well. We, we love to hear yep. those stories. That's, that's meaningful difference, right? That's making that's, a change. Yep, yep. Yeah, that did make and a think, difference. I, I, and, and, and I think we have the responsibility of Phenom with this platform, right, to, to, to shine a spotlight on, on things that need it. And, and accessibility is something that needs it. And I'm glad that we were able to find somebody as passionate as you, Joyce, to come in and, and, and really bring that home. So overall, it was, it was great. I'm, I'm really, really glad that it had, you know, some serious uh, collateral effects on, on lots of other people. Well, you also remember I talked about Highmark because this year is the 30th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, and I talked about the CEO, David Holmberg, and how they wanted to hire 30 new people. They've worked with me forever, but specifically 30 because of the 30th anniversary. 
Now, a lot of companies would have called back and said, we're not doing anything. But I want you to know, they are still hiring people. And their commitment is unbelievable because where the rubber meets the road is employment. Without employment, you don't have to worry about accessibility. You know, you need a job. You need, you need a, the treasure of employment. But that day after I spoke, when you know it, Highmark people were there. So it's just amazing <laughs> how there's all yeah. of these uh, things that happen that are tied together. But anyway, every show on the half hour, we have our news break uh, called Advocacy Matters to to go over important issues. I know this is a very important issue that Perry Jude, who is the CEO of Disability Rights of Pennsylvania, will be talking about. Perry Jude, welcome. Hey, Joyce. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here today. Of course. We, we love having you. Thanks, Joyce. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, uh, June is a busy month for elections. Uh, I know your listeners who are having primaries in June know this, but we want to make sure all of your listeners understand the challenges for primary elections in June. So primary elections are underway today in nine states for both the presidential and state primaries. Those states are the District of Columbia, Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, Montana, New Mexico, our own Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and South Dakota. Now, primaries continue throughout the month of June for 14 other states. So if you go to disabilityrightspa.org and click on our Advocacy Matters segment for today, you can find those other dates and those other primaries. Now, interesting about that, Joyce, some of those states had a presidential primary before the pandemic, and now they'll have their state primaries, all those down-ballot primaries uh, in a pandemic. So we'll see what happens in those states. So here in Pennsylvania, Joyce, we are about midway through our long-delayed primary election because of COVID-19. So we're out voting today, and we have uh, certainly been challenged by the pandemic. So for the last week also, we have been challenged here in Pennsylvania by outside racist forces who have instigated violence at the end of our peaceful protests in Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, Erie, and Philadelphia, and also in Montgomery County and Delaware. This has had an impact on our elections as well, especially Mm. for disabled black and brown voters. And here's how that impacts. Curfews now overlap with polling place Mm. hours. Mayors and election officials have said that voters, along with essential workers, are exempt from the curfew. However, voters may feel unsafe to be out during curfew hours, and transportation may not be available in centers of cities. Also, Governor Wolf yesterday issued an executive order here in Pennsylvania that permitted voters in six counties 
the opportunity to postmark their mail-in ballots today. Now, that wasn't the case. You had to have your ballot postmarked yesterday. But because there was an overwhelming number of mail-in ballots, and Joyce, I'm telling you, in 2016, there were 100,000 people that asked for a mail-in ballot or an absentee ballot. As of a few days ago, 2 million Pennsylvanian voters asked for mail-in ballots. Wow. So there, 2 million. So there are long delays. In fact, we are taking calls from people with disabilities who cannot go out and vote today because of their immune systems and who did not get their absentee or mail-in ballot that they asked for. And we're going to deal with that. But for now, if you got your mail-in ballot late, you can still mail in your ballot today if you can get a postmark today. And if you live in the counties of Allegheny, Dolphin, Delaware, Erie, Montgomery, and Philadelphia, that's important to know. But That's only those counties. Now, there are some consolidated voting places that are in police precincts. So disabled black and brown voters may not want to go to a police precinct to vote today. The pain is just too great, Joyce. Yeah. More poll workers yeah. have called, yes, just too great. If you've talked to your uh, staff, it is just, un- the pain is unbearable. It is. It is unbearable. You know, if you had moved away that car and you had put white capes on those police officers, it was like I'm in the 60s. It's like, oh, my God, there's a Klan killing a black man. I mean, that was painful. And for my brothers and sisters that are black and brown, I hear this all the time. The pain that they feel from all of this, seeing that, is horrible. So I can see why they would not want to go to a police precinct, which means they can't vote. Absolutely. So these are barriers. These are barriers. More poll workers have called off duty, and we have been getting reports today of, of polls that have been closed that weren't intended, they were intended to be open today because people decided not to show up for duty. This is all happening in Pennsylvania. And, of course, because polling places have been consolidated, we have reports of very long lines, and uh, in some cases people are running out of provisional ballots, and counties have to address that today. So there's a lot going on in Pennsylvania. I've been so busy with Pennsylvania, Joyce, I don't know really what's happening in the other states, including a place like the District of Columbia. But I can tell you, if you go to disabilityrightspa.org, look for our voting resources. We have hotline numbers. Remember, advocacy matters, black lives matter, and your vote matters. Thank you so much, uh, Perry Jude. And I hope you go, go to that site, read about it. And I just want to say we are blessed to have you, Perry Jude. Lead on and go fight that fight today. Hey, thanks, Joyce. Uh, Take care. All right. I mean, you know, when you hear these things, it's just, oh, it's just unbearable. It, It really is to see what's happening. Um, And I am very thankful 
Cliff, that you expressed your same views and condolences uh, to the family. And, and again, to our civil protesters, that's what America and democracy is all about. Uh, so that brings me actually to this discussion we were having about one billion people finding the right job opportunity. What does that mean and how is that uh, so central focused in the company? Yeah, I, I mean, for for me, Joyce, I, I think, um, you know, it's going to start with one thing, and that's that's really a, a, a focus and and a commitment um, to to recognizing that there are inequalities, um, you know, everywhere. And she's, I mean, you talk about what's happening in the world right now between COVID and um, you know and you know what what has happened with George Floyd, which seems to be a catalyst for a lot of change for those again, you know especially in the black community that continue to be oppressed uh, and, and underserved and underrepresented, um, you know, those with accessibilities um, also or accessibility issues um, and, or who are differently enabled also need to be represented, um, you know, in, in a way that helps that helps them find meaningful work, not just any work. And that's really the big difference here. Um, it's not enough to just, give someone a job. Um, you know, uh, most people I know want to earn the work that they do and they want to be passionate about the work that we do. So, so the question for us was, could we use our technology um, to help people connect with meaningful work? Um, so when we talk about finding a billion or, you know, getting a billion people the right job, um, you know, how can technology assist with that in, in, in a way that's unobtrusive, that's intuitive, that's easy to understand and use. And, and some of the things that we do on our platform, um, and, and I think Parker is probably better to talk about uh, what he, I mean, he has spearheaded so much in our company in terms of evolving our tool. I think he, he's earned the right to kind of talk about that. So, Parker, I don't know if you want to talk about, yeah. um, about what we've done. Absolutely, yeah. Great, great segue. So, um, you know, Joyce, you talk about this broad suite of tools that we have, um, and, and we focus on the four different experiences, the candidate and the employee and the recruiter and the, the manager's experience. So what we're doing is we're breaking down those experiences, uh, and we're looking at each one specifically, and we're sort of redesigning that experience with empathy. So we'll talk about candidate experience first. Um, we, we provide career sites, and you can build your career site, you can furnish your career site, which is a canvas that you can choose, um, uh, choose from. We have five or six canvases. You're able to choose one of those canvases. And then you go and furnish your canvas um, via our CMS platform. So what we've done is we've enabled the CMS platform with different accessibility features. We're looking at our, uh, at our canvases, and we're being sure that those canvases out of the box are compatible with screen readers and that they're designed uh, with universal design principles in mind. And, and what we're doing when we do that, when we optimize the candidate experience, is we're making sure that top-of-funnel talent, um, so maybe talent that recruiters wouldn't have ever seen before because um, maybe a screen reader user had a terrible experience right when they visited the site and they left, right? That user wouldn't have even been recognized. What we're doing now is we're creating an inviting experience, an optimized experience for users, all users, and we're being sure that those users can then be recognized in top-of-funnel talent 
Um, they get into the hands of recruiters. Uh, they're able to go through the, the, the process. And, and, you know, they're, they're just basically empowered to, to live independently, right? And, and, and I think that's the goal is they're, they're able to visit an experience that, that is inclusive um, and that has been optimized to be compatible for their specific uh, use case. And that's really what we're focusing on with, with the candidate experience. Um, we're working to optimize our other tools, like our chatbot, our proprietary chatbot is being optimized. Um, currently, that is WCAG 2.0 accessible, uh, so the, the chatbot is accessible. Um, but again, lots of innovation happening. Our CMS uh, platform is, is something we're continuing to, to build and grow, and, and we see it as a, as, a, as a great vector where we can be proactive about accessibility, right? So if we can enable our CMS platform with certain accessibility triggers that prevent the introduction of new accessibility issues into an already accessible canvas, um, that's something that we would definitely want to do, and that's something that we're prioritizing. So uh, lots of uh, accessibility being baked into the technology and, and, uh, and, and uh, the, the innovation that's happening here. Um, it's, it's really important that we focus on the candidates, right, because we want to get them in the door. We want to help them find meaningful work and, and get them into the hands of a recruiter. So that's what we've been doing. We've been streamlining that process, and we're baking accessibility into each of our uh, talent experiences. And I want to thank you for that. And, and, you know, as a woman with a disability and as a company, you know, people with disabilities and a disability rights leader, I got to tell you that many people don't go work for a company because the company can't find them because they're not accessible. And, you know, you can't believe the people I've had on the show that told me they went to a website, they wanted to work for a company, and it was so user unfriendly that it took one hour just to take care of filling out one part. And then there are other people which just not accessible. So they are you're losing out on that great talent pool of people for recruiters to see if you do not have that accessibility. So um, that is one of the reasons I just like your company so much that you're doing this. That is wonderful. And I'll ask both of you, but Parker, just continuing with what you're talking about, how do you see that changing post-pandemic? What do you think will happen? Um, in terms of accessibility post-pandemic, uh, I think there are lots of things we have to think about in a, in a more virtual world. Um, obviously, um, you know, virtual, virtual properties will become our, you know, I, I think our, our, our dominant forms of, of interaction in the workplace probably here in the next couple of years. So I think looking at, at those virtual exchanges and, and interactions and ensuring that at each touch point, inclusion and accessibility is something that is thought about proactively and not retrofitted. I think that's going to be important. Um, so thinking about that shift to virtual, virtual interactions I think another thing that we can do is we can look at um, people in the, you know, I, I think people in the disability uh, community can probably give guidance here, right? Um, people, people in the disability community, I think, have uh, for a long time worked from home and, and been efficient and, and been um, very productive workers from home. So I think there's something that we can take from that, um, how to be effective in, in this, new, this new normal. 
Um, but an- another thing that we're also doing in a, in a post-pandemic world, specifically, I think, at Phenom is uh, help1billion.com. And, and Cliff touched on that a little bit. But basically what we're doing is we're consolidating jobs from any company out there, right? If, if they want to post their job and they want their job to be seen, um, we're going to provide a platform for them to really uh, get that job out there and hopefully, um, you know, get somebody's eyes on that job who, who meets the qualifications and who's interested in that position. So I think, um, you know, a, a lot of big changes, um, but at, at Phenom specifically, we're focusing on help one billion to, to help people get the right job. And then we're also thinking about uh, a shift to, to virtual environments and predominantly virtual environments and interactions. So um, that's, that's another area that we're looking into. Yeah, because uh, after every major event in the world, like we'll say the Depression, you know, I'm sure people listening have heard, grew up hearing their parents say when you're at the table, waste not, want not, make sure you eat that food because they lived during a time like, sadly, what we're going through now, except they did not have some of the the infrastructure in place or technology or the internet, et cetera, uh, that we have. So they grew up knowing, wow, food was scarce, except that stayed with them, that being frugal. Then we have 9-11, and everything changes after that, and all of a sudden, you know, security, uh, and, and worrying about uh, terrorists and you know, just that whole change at the airport and traveling and everything changed after that. And it's now just part. That's just how it is now when you go to the airport. It's it's not that like just after that it stopped. And I believe after this, there are going to be things that will stay. I do believe people will be very intent on being prepared with uh things at home, food, whatever it would be because of what happened at the beginning of this uh, pandemic. But I also think there's going to be a new world of work. I don't think everyone is going to be at work in the building. But I think that much, many, much more people, many more people are going to be working from home. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, Cliff, I, I Cliff. You know, uh, either yeah, one of you. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, um, I, I'm going to expand on on what Parker said and, and what you just said, Joyce, because I, I think it's a point that deserves repeating, and, and to be very, very clear and precise on what we're saying here, we have an opportunity right now with what's going on in the world, especially with with COVID, what COVID has caused us to look at. Um, And what Parker said is completely true. Those that are differently enabled have been working um, and have been successfully working, um, telecommuting, whatever you want to call it, working virtually for for quite a long time. And we should be looking to them to say, how have you done this successfully? What tools do you use? How do you stay connected? How do you satisfy the social human interaction um, component, uh, because human nature is we all want to be together. Um, well, at least most of us want to be together. Um, and, and I think that is important, especially in a workplace, because there's a lot of great things that come out of in-person collaboration. Um, but absent the, the ability to be in person, um, there are a lot of great success stories out there. And every company that's listening to this, 
um, should be right now reaching out to those that are either in their employee already or, um, you know, asking for help from, from the, the disabled community um, to say, how have you done this? Give us the success stories. What works for you? Because what works for them can work for all of us. Um, because it is something um, that, that uh, we don't need to look too far for, for success. And we don't need to be reinventing anything at this point. Of course, technology helps. Uh, but the reality is, um, let's, let's talk to the folks that have been doing it um, and, and get their leadership on this. Um, and, and that's really the answer to how we continue after COVID. Because I would also agree with what you're saying, Joyce. It's, this is never going to be normal again. Um, not in the sense that we're not going to go back to the way things were in, in January of 2020. Um, it is a changed world, and it's a permanently changed world. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, there's a lot of benefit that, the, uh, that can come out of that, and, and we need to um, look to the leaders um, in that community um, of those that are differently enabled, disabled, or have accessibility issues, um, how they've done that successfully. Oh, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, this show goes so fast. I have to make sure there are a couple of things I absolutely want to ask. And one of them is about Mahi. Um, I was so impressed when I met him. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, Cliff, how, how would you describe his leadership style? Well, um, we, we, <laughs> I'm not sure how much time we have left, but... Um, I, I, I will do my best to keep this answer really short, even though I think that that's very difficult um, when I talk about Mahi. Um, Mahi is, is truly um, the first leader that, that I have worked with and for um, who has taught me more about myself than anything else that I've gone through in life, and that, that, is, not, uh, that is not an understatement. Um, and I'm a, I'm a fairly experienced person, um, uh, Mahi's can be very, very deep, um, but but there's a couple of traits in working with Mahi that uh, are really important. The first is he holds himself more accountable than anyone else ever could. Um, you know, he's the first person to stand up in a room and say, I don't know. Um, give me your ideas. Uh, but he's also, and secondly, uh, in terms of holding us accountable, will look to us and say, what did you do right and what did you do wrong? Let's talk through that in a non-threatening way. It's just how can we be better? And, and the best way I can describe it, for me personally, because I've seen it happen, but when you experience it yourself, it's very, very different. Um, he held a mirror up to me, um, and, and he continues to do that to say, you tell yourself what you want to be. What is your true passion? And then I'm going to help you get there. And, uh, and I've seen that happen time and time again in our company with individuals um, and with teams. Um, I believe we have the best product team um, in, in the software industry, in the HR domain, in the talent acquisition domain. Um, the, and the team feeds completely off of Mahi's vision and personality and his leadership. So, you know, he holds that mirror up to us and says, be honest with yourself first. And then I'm going to help you get there. Um, and, and that's what it's like being in the room with Mahi. And the very first question he asks you, and I'm sure Parker can add to this, uh, the very first question Mahi will always ask you is, who are you? 
Cause he, and he's genuinely interested in knowing who you are as a person and what do you love and what are you passionate about? You know, and can we connect on that? Cause if we can connect on that, then we, then we can actually change and accomplish things. And that's wow. who he is. I mean, that is, you know, that's, uh, you would think you're talking about <clears throat> um, a statesman or some leader, you know, a civil rights leader or not. You definitely wouldn't think corporate business <laughs> when you hear that. Um, and that's because he isn't. He isn't your traditional person or you wouldn't have this one billion people goal that you have. How, how about you, Parker? What do you have to say about Mahi? Yeah, uh, I think, you know, Cliff has known him a lot longer. I've, I've, I've actually had some, some intimate co- conversations and interactions with Mahi over the past year. I think, um, you know, we talk about empathy a lot and we talk about passion a lot. And I think, you know, those are two things which, which drive our company. And, and I think those are two things um, that Mahi just exudes, right? He has a passion for what he does um, and he does it with empathy. And, um, you know, he, he cares. And I think that's, that's, that's also something that Cliff, Cliff touched on and, and highlighted. But I think there's so much to, to Mahi as a leader. It's, it is tough to talk about and, and try to, to put it in a box. But I think Cliff did a really good job of it. Well, you know how they say, um, you know, when you want to get something done, go to the top. It sounds to me as if his vision... Uh, and his leadership has permeated through the company uh, because you all seem so committed to this. Is that what you see, Cliff? Do you see it uh, permeated throughout the company? I do. And and I think there's a saying that uh, I live by something that was inspired by Mahi, something that he talks about, um, and, and that is – you know, hard work will create opportunity. And, and if you want something to change, um, not only find the right people to help you change it, um, but you've got to work hard. And, and if you're going to do something, you know, try to be the hardest working person in the room. And, and I think, you know, that is something that um, it's a standard that we have at Phenom um, and it is a little bit of a badge of honor, although we try to not be too prideful. We try to not be, um, you know, put too much ego into anything because that can, um, you know, that can skew your passion a little bit. So you have to be selfless, you know, and a lot of things that we do at the company, um, you know, are, are driven by selflessness. And, and we put in a lot of hours and we sacrifice time um, and, um, you know, and, and, and we sacrifice um, you know, things that we may want to be personally doing, you know, um, you know, at that time, because we know that there's a greater good in what, what we're doing. And it really sounds super altruistic and it, and it actually is, but it really is Mahi and Hari um, finding people that believe in what you do. And when you believe in something and you combine that with hard work, you can accomplish a lot. And we did things you know, helpabillion.com is a great example of, of Mahi and Hari's vision for the company to say, you know what, now's the time. And this is an idea that Mahi had um, quite some time ago, but not every idea has its time. And this one actually, it, it came to fruition very quickly, went to our product team and said, 
let's do this. And our product team found a way to get that done. And then our, our clients and the companies that um, are choosing to work with us who aren't clients, which is, you know, there's a lot of them. I think we have half a million jobs on that helpabillion.com right now. Um, and, you know, you know, everyone coming together to really create that change. That's something that does permeate every aspect of what we do at Phenom. And we have our fun and it's, it's a, and, and we enjoy it, but we never forget that hard work is what gets, uh, gets real change. Yeah. Then that is so true. You know, my question I was going to ask you is how and why? Because, you know, that's not easy to have all these employees and they all just want to work so hard without being told you have to work so hard. So I guess you're going to tell me that comes back to Mahi. And the other thing you said that I think is critical is people that you hire that are bought into this greater good, you know, that you have a purpose. I have a job where I can make a difference. Um, I guess you have to be very thorough when you're interviewing people so that they fit that culture. Yeah, I, I that- think so. And, and yeah, one thing I want to be very, very clear, Mahi has never, ever once said to me, I need you to work harder. Never. You know, he does it by example. He's the hardest working person in the room and everyone else, because we're all passionate about everything that we do, um, have a strong desire to follow that lead. And and it helps us grow as people as well. And it's hugely beneficial to the organization um, to to see that kind of hands-on leadership. It's very, very different. People talk about it. Maki exudes it. I will look forward to having him on the show and thank you both for being uh, on the show today I really enjoyed it and if you're listening remember you can subscribe and get this show at Spotify or Apple and we end every show with a quote and today that quote is my disability exists not because I use a wheelchair but because the broader environment isn't accessible said Stella Young. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. March on. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.